Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today on For the Love Podcast. We are super excited um, to talk with you in this series about what it means to create and to keep and to nurture just a really meaningful circle of girlfriends. I think this is this is an idea that affects virtually every single one of us. Um, and so it is my great pleasure to get to introduce you to today's guest. Uh, we have on today Shasta Nelson, and she is fabulous. Welcome, Shasta. Thank you. Honored. Let me tell everybody about you just for a second. If you don't, if you're not already familiar with her work, which you should be, let me tell you just a little bit. Um, she just could not be a more perfect guest for this series. Shasta is the author of Friendships Don't Just Happen, The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Friends for Those of Us Looking to Make New Friends. She's also written Friendtimacy, by the way, brilliant title, love it. How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness, for Knowing How to Make the Relationships We Have Even Better, Even Stronger, Even Lasting Even Longer, Even Through Conflict and Disappointments. Um, they're both available in bookstores or online. They're both, both available in audio. Let me tell you something else that Shasta does that you guys are going to love, and you're going to want to go on and check out immediately. She has this amazing website called girlfriendcircles.com. It's basically a women's community dedicated to introducing women to new friends and inspiring better friendships, more or less. Um, is that the, is that does that sound right? You want to elaborate on girlfriend circles at all? Explain it to our listeners. Yeah, we actually just want to be a place where people are learning how to make friends. Most of us have never been taught how to do this, and so we do a monthly class that that kind of like helps deepen those friendships. And then we encourage people to meet offline in their different cities and to make friends. Uh, so we use the online to kind of meet each other, but the goal is to encourage you and teach you how to make friends wherever you live. So fabulous. It's funny because. You know, we're all grown adults, and there's sort of this idea that making or nurturing friendships should just be intuitive, right, or instinctive, and it's really not um, for a lot of us. Real quick, just one last thing about, about Shasta. She also writes for HuffPost. She's been on the, on the Today Show, interviewed about friendship by Katie Couric. I love her. Did you love her? <laughs> yes, she's such a perfect girlfriend material. <laughs> she totally is. And Shasta has a master's degree in spiritual growth. So fascinating. And then a bachelor's degree in communication. So for about like 20 years, she has experience in short-term counseling and coaching leaders and teams and speaking at international, like motivational and teaching venues. I mean, really, girl, you're all over the place. Your career is amazing. Well, likewise, it's just nice when you can find what you're passionate about and have the opportunity to do it in the world. Totally. I tell young adults all the time that ask me about just their dreams and their vision. I'm like, listen, 
somebody somewhere will pay you to do what you love. (laughs) It is absolutely possible. So let's just jump into it here. So can you just, can you tell our listeners what maybe first inspired you to create girlfriendcircles.com? Because it's not really necessarily where you started in your career. Yeah, I was actually just working with so many amazing women kind of in a coaching setting and meeting different women. And they had these big dreams and they wanted to get married and they wanted to have kids and they had these careers. And I kept asking like, who are your friends? Because I knew that how you answer the question, how supported do you feel uh, is like one of the number one things that's going to determine their success in their goals or their accomplishment of what they want. And so I kept asking, who are you close to? What are your friends saying about this? How are they handling it? And I continued to hear this um, kind of like, well, I just went through a divorce and all my friends are kind of up in the air. I don't really feel close to any of them right now. Or, oh, I just moved. And yeah, I mean, I've got some friends at work, but we don't talk about these things. Or, well, you know, and I just kind of kept hearing this reoccurring theme that very few people felt like they had close people who they could say, yes, I feel supported through this big change or this big dream in my life. And I, I remembered going through my own divorce and I remember moving and thinking, oh, I don't need to make new friends because I've got those other really great friends who were there with me through all of that. And and yet you get to a new area and at some point you're just like, I'm a little lonely. Like I'm not on the phone. I don't want to spend every night on the phone with my friends and I want friends. And so it kind of just all came together where one night I was just thinking, I wish we could share our friends with each other. I've got a great friend in Chicago I should introduce to you. And I just kind of really moved into the space of saying we, this really matters. In fact, 75% of women say that they want better friendships, that 75% of us are disappointed with the friendships we have and that we don't feel as close to the friends we want. And so 75% of us, and we kind of live in this belief that we're the only ones that need it and that everyone else has found it. And that's simply not true. So I really just wanted to stand in that space and say, this is common. We can do something about it and it matters. We have to do something about it. Oh, well, 75% is higher than I would have expected. Yeah. And that bears out. Yeah. That bears out on a lot of different people's studies. Um, I did a study for my book, Friendtimacy, a survey where we sent out to almost 1,500 women and asked them on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied are you with the level, the depth of your friendships? On a 10 being most satisfied, one being least satisfied. And women were twice as likely to put a one or a two as they were to put a nine or a 10. And the vast majority of us are hovering around four, five, six, you know? And so we are just most people, when you ask the question, do you, how satisfied do you feel? How loved and supported do you feel right now? Most of us are like, I have friends, but yeah. Exactly. That's why your work is so important. One thing that I love about what you have researched um, is that you've actually done some study on why having good friendships is crucial to our physical health. Anytime I get this sort of mind-body connection, I find it so fascinating. Um, So this this is making our friendships even more important than we might think. It's not just our feelings, it's our bodies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've been, I'm just an avid student of reading all the research coming out in the last 10 years. It has been so exciting, both with kind of being able to study different things through social media, but also what we're able to be studying with MRI brain scans and imaging now is just so telling that we have doctors going on record saying, um, one doctor went on record 
saying loneliness is the number one public health issue of our time. We have the New York Times reporting that more often. We have a doctor um, in one article in the New York Times. He was saying, if I have a patient who is um, a chain smoker, obese, and lonely, and I want to do something, the most important thing for that patient's health, I'm going to get her, you know, to make friends. Like that will have a bigger impact on her on her health than the smoking and the obesity. If you feel disconnected or don't feel supported, it's as damaging to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like they can actually see the results of the impact. It's twice as harmful as being obese and it does the life, the equivalent of damage in our bodies as being a lifelong alcoholic. And you think about all the attention we give to like smoking and weight and alcohol. And at the end of the day, uh, how we answer the question, how loved and supported do I feel will tell us more about our health 20 years out than any other factor. We're wired to need each other and for us to perceive not having that in our lives is causing undue stress for sure. It's staggering. It is staggering. That is staggering, fascinating and surprising. And I think what is hitting me as you're saying all that is, um, is how often you know, I'm like you, I work with women all the time and I'm surrounded by women and I love it. Um, and I hear women generally relegate friendship to sort of an optional category. They just do. It's one of the first things to go. And there's not a single one of us that has just legions of time. It's not as if friendship is easy for any of us, but I do hear women say, of all the things I don't have time for, that's just one of them. And yet your research tells us that we are doing irreparable and long-term harm to our bodies and our minds and our souls. The correlation there is so high that I cannot believe more people aren't talking about that. I can't believe this isn't front and center information on mental and emotional and physical health in our culture. That is, that's really, I know. And so what the researchers are saying is that having friends doesn't take the stress out of our lives. We know that you're still going to be mad at your husband. You're still going to be like stressed about this and that and finances that what having friendships does do is actually buffers our body from absorbing the impact of the stress in our lives. And so it actually protects us from taking on the damage that the stress in our lives has. And so actually the more stress we have in our lives, the more we need friendship in our life to help buffer that and to protect us. So we do know that stress kills us. And so this is how feeling supported, when you say, how do you answer the question, how loved and supported do I feel? That tells us how well your body is going to be able to protect yourself from taking on all the negative consequences of any stress in your life. Let me ask you this. I mean, to this end, if this is as important as as all these studies say that it is, and I believe that it is as well. Why do you think, why do you think it's so challenging um, for women today, sort of in our generation, to to meet new people um, or to create these really meaningful circles of friends that all of us crave and that our bodies obviously actually need? Like, is it okay to want new friends? Why is this such a struggle? Well, it is okay to want new friends, and most of us need that. Uh, one other study was showing that we are replacing half our close friends every seven years, all through our entire lives. And so um, I always get this look when I'm speaking from women who are like, really? And then I think, I say, name your four or five people that you confide in the most right now. And chances are high that two or three of them were not the same people you were confiding in seven years ago. Oh, it's true. Yeah. I know, as soon as I say that, people are like, oh, wow. And so 
seven years from now, if the research, if you're average and the research bears out, then seven years from now, you could be really close to somebody you haven't even yet met. So what we all want to do is become much, much more practiced and open to, um, to two things. One, yes, I always want to be on recognizing that I need to be starting friendships with new people because I don't know where the, who's going to be the one supporting me seven years out, you know? And so I always want to be open to that. And it also invites me to say, wow, what can I do to be protecting the investments I've been making in my friends too? And are there certain friendships that I really want to hang on to and make sure last more than seven years? But absolutely, it is a hard, hard thing to do because most of us don't talk about it. We've never been taught friendship. (laughs) There's a lot of stigma and shame that comes with it. Uh, So yeah. There's stigma, there's shame. There's also loss and disappointment. You know, all of us bring those stories to the table. So For a lot of women in particular, I see us sort of approach the concept of, I mean, and when we say friendship, we're talking about the good stuff, right? The vulnerable, the tender stuff with with caution and with restraint because we've all had disappointment. Okay, so you're talking about this and I love it because... It leads me into the next thing I want to talk to you about on your on your website, which is amazing, you guys, girlfriendcircles.com. You invite women to take what you call a friend missy quiz, which one thing that I really like about your leadership is that it's incredibly practical because um, sometimes people talk about friendship in sort of pie in the sky ways. It, it, it all feels a little bit theoretical or a little bit fuzzy or soft. I really like how you take the issues and bring them down to the ground with like steps that we can walk through. So tell us a little bit about that quiz and and what it tells you and then ultimately us about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So Friendtimacy, the quiz is built off of the definition of friendship. And so by definition, and this is so important because most of us don't even know how to define what a friendship is. I agree with you. I roll my eyes at so many of the memes that go around that are like, a friend is someone who's always there for you. And I'm like, totally. what does that even mean? I'm like, oh, we can't measure that. And like, who's always there for you? I was on book tour for two months last spring and my girlfriend got kicked out of her apartment during that time. I wasn't there for her. Does that mean we're not friends? Like, no, it means I'm so glad she has a good group of friends that we, that we, between all of us, somebody can be there for her, you know? So Great point. it's not, I can't be, we always have, we have aging parents. We have kids we have to take care of. We have jobs that make us travel. Like we can't always be there for somebody. And I'm always saying to somebody, when you feel resentful at one of your friends for not quote being there for you, it's often not a problem that they're a bad friend. It's often that either a, you don't have enough friends in your life to help support you. And you need to be responsible for building that circle of friends up or B you haven't yet asked for what you need. And so your friend doesn't even know what your, um, you know, we have so many unspoken expectations and friendships and very high lofty, um, they should just know us and, and be there for us. So yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of fantasy that's built around it. So a definition of friendship is so important because this is how we can measure it, how we can talk about it. By doing this, we know how to evaluate friendship. And so our by definition, a friendship is any relationship between two people where they both feel seen in a safe and satisfying way. And so there's three S's there. And when we look at all the different research that we study in psychology of how we look at relationships, these are the three words that um, are most studied in different ways and that we use to measure relationship. And so by being seen, in order to, for both people to feel seen, and it's important that we say both people because um, I've been a pastor and so sometimes, or a coach, and sometimes people will talk to me and feel seen, but it has to be mutual. <laughs> you just going and telling your hairstylist your whole story doesn't make you friends. It makes you 
Yeah. So there's uh, both people need to feel seen in a, so that helps we do vulnerability. So one of the things we can measure on that is are both people being vulnerable? The second um, requirement of friendship is we need it to feel safe. And the, how we can measure that is the consistency of a friendship. And we can unpack all three of these um, in more detail too. And because consistency is what helps us start being able to predict somebody's behavior. And that's what makes us feel safe. That's what trust is built on. So, um, so you and I don't know each other. We could show up and have some level of safety with each other because we make assumptions. But it would be over time as we repeat, as we're repetitive, and as we build history, that's where safety starts coming from, where our brains can say, well, last time I shared good news with her, she celebrated me. So therefore, I feel safe sharing good news again. Or last time I shared something hard, she didn't judge me. So therefore, and we start creating a a history that allows us to feel safe with each other. And then the third requirement of friendship is in order for a relationship to be a friendship, it has to be satisfying. And these are friends we're choosing. At the end of the day, none of us are waking up thinking, I'm going to listen to this podcast because I want a few more cranky, whiny, needy, demanding people in my life who never make me feel like I'm doing enough, you know? So <laughs> we want a relationship that brings joy. And so the way that we measure um, whether a relationship is satisfying is how much positivity is there. And we can actually, from research, know that any relationship to be healthy has to have a positivity to negativity ratio of five to one. So we can measure those three things. So by definition, uh, a friendship has to have positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And so that friendimacy quiz measures those three things to help you be able to look at any relationship in your life. Um, and I can guarantee anybody that any relationship that does not feel good in your life, it's because at least one of those three things is in lack and needs to be improved. Guys, just a real quick little break here in the show to talk about something super near and dear to my heart. So you may know that my newest book is called Of Mess and Moxie, and it comes out on August 8th. We're almost there. I absolutely loved writing this book for you, and I hope that you will love reading it. I think this is my favorite book to date. Um, my, my goals with this book is that at some point in the reading, it will positively make you laugh, hopefully out loud. It may make you cry. I, I hope it makes you think. Um, and I certainly hope that it inspires you and encourages you and gives you permission to live your wild and glorious life in the place that you've been planted. I, um, it was just a real delight to write for you. Hey, listen, if you pre-order it before its release date, so anytime between now and August 7th, you get a bunch of cool free stuff too. My team put together this amazing pile of goodies for you. It's so easy. So if you're ever going to buy it, you might as well get it now and get the free stuff before it's released. You can find out all the information on that on the book's website. It's called just ofmessandmoxie.com and all the links are in there and everything you need. You can get signed copies. You can get a really cool collector's edition box set and all the information on your pile of swag is over there too. So I can't wait for you to have it. I can't wait for us to talk about it. Um, and I hope that it serves you so well because it was a delight to write for you. So of messandmoxie.com. Go snag it. Okay, back to our chat. So interesting. I am sitting here and my wheels are just turning. Like, you know, there's something instinctive to just know that the positives need to outweigh the negatives in a healthy relationship. But hearing you put it in terms like you just did, five to one ratio, it, it's such a great diagnosis. I, 
I can, I'm, I'm pulling up relationships in my mind right now that are, I've got a question mark over and I'm not sure why, and you're giving language to it. Um, and, and I really like too, that you have us turn the mirror and look at our own lives and discover how safe and consistent we are. In fact, I went on your website and I took the frontimacy quiz and I've got my results. I sent them over to you too. And it was really interesting to me because I sort of saw, you know, pretty clearly how the quiz is sort of divided out into the segments that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And when I got my results back, I realized that, uh, so I I don't know what my average here is. Out of 100, my average looks like it's probably about 68. But it's funny because in my mind, I would rank my personal satisfaction in my friendships super high, like way higher than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realized that my personal score, my investment as a friend is lower. I'm getting more out than I think I'm putting in. Mm. Um, And my lowest score, if you had a minute to look at my results, my lowest score is exactly where I knew it would be, which is in consistency. Meaning, am I the one who always, do I, do I text first? Do I call first? Do I initiate um, gatherings? Do I, do I start the ball rolling? Or do people have to sit around and wonder if I'm still alive? And I've got some struggles there. I, what would you say to me? How, fix me. <laughs> How can you fix me? Mine is time related. And, and that's so boring because everybody's busy. It's not as if I'm any busier than anybody else. So it's not, that's not a good excuse. But that is what mine boils down to. Yeah. And most of us can identify with that. When I'm speaking and I have people evaluate which one would make the biggest difference in their friendships, that is the one that most people raise their hand on. Yeah, it breaks my heart because we just live in a world that is not oriented toward relationships anymore. We are oriented toward ambition and success and money. And the research continues to bear out that that does not make us happier. It is not leading to more satisfaction and joy and peace. And yet... We live in a world that just simply does not have time for relationships, you know, and so it is, it becomes really challenging. And so you're not alone. It's very common in our culture and it's heightened by the fact that this is why we thought friendships happened automatically when we were younger. It's because consistency happened automatically when we were younger. It's not that friendship happened easier when we were kids. It was that consistency. We didn't have to like initiate meeting each other at school the next day and like, you know, send like schedule, where are you driving to and get directions. And like, you know, you just went every day and hung out. And so we logged the hours in a way that did not require initiating and scheduling and logistics and all that stuff that we have to do now. So it does does, um, it, we intuitively, hopefully many of us learned these skills, but the truth of the matter is nobody ever said to us, okay, so now friendship is going to look different as an adult because you actually have to learn how to put consistency in place. And the only two ways that we have given in a nutshell, uh, when we want to increase our consistency, we have two options really. And every option falls under these two. One is join something that is consistent. So going to the same church every week or going finding your job and saying, okay, who are here? Can I build relationships with? I'm already at this place all day long, every day. Um, joining the PTA at school, like where something, a book club that's every month, like anything that's already consistent is going to help you build relationships with people um, be, without having to initiate and schedule 
schedule. You're just simply showing up consistently as are they, the way it happened in school a little bit. If you're not going to join something or your life, your job isn't that kind of consistency or you know there's not enough places in your life um, where that's happening, the only other option we have is to schedule it ourselves. And this is where most friendships fail is that we will, the, many of us are not comfortable initiating. Um, even if we do, we'll initiate once and we use this really lame thing where we say, well, the ball's in her court now. I, in, I reached out last time. And then therefore most friendships die right there <laughs> because uh, one person got too busy and the other person was afraid of being rejected or afraid of what that meant if they reached out again. And so we, um, for lack of initiation, most friendships don't get off the ground. Um, and to your credit, Jen, most of our friendships, if we have some history of good consistency with each, with each other, it doesn't require as much consistency to maintain a relationship as it does to get a relationship up off the ground. But um, the other two factors of positivity and vulnerability are certainly connected to our consistency. I know for me, um, the less I see somebody, the less I'm able to share with them, which means the less vulnerable I'm kind of being because we just aren't, there's so much to catch up on, you just can't share everything. And so the less chance I am of getting positivity back, which is like being affirmed and resonating and encouragement and all that kind of stuff. So certainly um, you have the relationships where you can step in and quote, pick up where you left off and it can feel that safe and that intimacy and, and satisfying. And the invitation is if you want more vulnerability and positivity and those feelings, then um, yeah, you know that the pathway to that is to create more time where you're seeing each other with, with greater frequency or in a different way without the husbands and the kids, or, you know, we have different ways of going about it that would look different in each of our lives. It's interesting. And I, I wonder how many women are like me and that I have a handful of different friend groups. So I, I don't just have one, we don't have just one space. And so um, my scores would be a little bit different depending on who I was specifically thinking about in terms of engagement. Um, I have this one friend group and not a single one of us lives in the same town or even state or even country. We are all over the world and we have, there's, there's six of us and we have uh, just a little private group on Voxer, you know, mm -hmm. what Voxer is, it's uh -huh. just you pop in and talk. And we literally talk to each other Aww. almost every single day. Wow. And sometimes it's really, really important stuff. And we're in the weeds together. And sometimes it is utter nonsense Aww. and everything in between. But when I think about that group, because I, I want women to sort of turn a toggle a little bit in their mind, because certainly there is there is something incredibly special about in real life friends, you know, mm -hmm. flesh and blood sitting across the table from you having a cup of coffee, mm -hmm. but friendship can in this day and age, it can take a lot of forms. Yeah. You know, I see those friends usually twice a year, but I am maybe the most vulnerable with them because of that consistency piece, because we're talking every single day. So maybe it does look a little bit different. Maybe it's not, you know, necessarily the same form with every, with every friend circle and women should maybe introduce a little bit of flexibility into what this looks like. Yeah. And that's why I love understanding these three requirements because we're not talking about 
like a lot of people even think, oh, I'm a mom, I need to be friends with other moms, or oh, I live in this area, I need to be friends with other, we, we create these like barriers of who we think we can bond with. I mean, the truth of it comes down to is that we need to find commonalities, but they don't have to be the ones that our brains actually often think they need to be. We all have evidence of people we're really close with who on paper, we wouldn't like have chosen based upon how our lives look similar or that you guys aren't even in the same country. But the what we know from friendship is that these three things have to be present. And you and that group of friends are modeling these three things. You're doing these three things. And so anytime we have a friendship that we want to increase and in meaningfulness and in depth and in what I call friendtimacy, then we know what three things we need to put into place to experience that. And you absolutely are experiencing that. And I and I would say the same, Jen. I my some of the friends I'm most vulnerable with, I only see once a year, we all get together for a girls weekend and we are so vulnerable and we have so much fun together and just, and share so deeply. But, and sometimes it's even easier to stay close to people who are long distance because our day-to-day friendship is not affected by the changes each other is going through. You know, somebody can have a baby and it's like, I'm not like, it's not like it's affecting our friendship. <laughs> We're still going to get together this for our weekend. And so in some respects, our each other's lives, we don't get hurt by each other in the same way. We don't have the expectations that can sometimes get in the way of local friendships. So there's so many ways to do friendships, to your point. The question is, who do you know in your life? And if you want something more, which of these three things um, can you add to that friendship to help increase the meaningfulness of that friendship? Mm. I love that. I'm, I'm curious your advice on this. So on your site, um, you you discuss levels of our friendship circles. You know, we're kind of talking about having all these different groups, which I also have. Um, so, you know, we have any anywhere from acquaintances to deep personal friends and some variation in between. So, you know, most people have social media friends. Then we have work friends. We have neighbors. We have church friends. We have childhood friends, just whatever. I don't know if this question makes sense, but how do you recommend that we manage all those varying levels of friendimacy? It's incredibly important for us to be aware of which level of relationship somebody has with us because it helps us shape appropriate expectations of that friendship. And what we're finding, what I find a lot, Jen, is I um, I teach five different levels of relationship and um, level one is the most casual, level five is the deepest. Level two is what I call common friends, which means you can have, you can actually experience a lot of intimacy in that, but it's within an area you have in common. So we both work together. We both are ch- go to church together. And what happens, and I run into this all the time, women will say to me, I quit that job or I stopped going to that church or, you know, whatever. I stepped out of the container is what they're saying six years, six months ago. And nobody's reached out to me. Nobody's made time for me. They must not care about me. And they create this whole narrative about how that friendship wasn't meaningful, obviously, to them. or else they, And we kind of like get our feelings really hurt. And I'm often in the place of having to say to women, you were experiencing level two relationship. And it was and it was meaningful and it was valuable and it was real. And we don't need to devalue it. But if you've never practiced being friends with that person, and outside of that container, outside of that book club, outside of that mom's group, outside of being married and having families on that block, outside of, you know, whatever the container is, then when one person steps out of the container, it makes complete sense, doesn't it, that our friendship never we never had practiced doing friendship outside of that container. And it requires a great level of vulnerability and intention for one or both people to really reach out at that point and shift the relationship. And most people simply aren't aware of that and don't see it and don't know it. 
And so, yeah, it's really important to have appropriate expectations of different relationships and to be able to measure um, our friendships. We don't do it to, um, you know, just to arbitrarily like decide a level, but we need to have appropriate expectations of what that friendship is and what we can expect of it and, um, and not get our feelings so hurt or have inappropriate expectations. I love that. And in doing so, in taking that sort of very deliberate approach to friendship and diagnosing it and studying sort of where we're at, it's really good for ourselves too to become a better friend, to be a better friend, or even just to identify all right, this, this, and this friendship is where I would like to invest more. And I have almost like a roadmap on how to do it. You know, here is here are really practical next steps to take um, that again, I think there's an assumption that these things are just automatic or they're instinctual, but they're not necessarily. Uh, and I love your, I love your example there that, you know, we can walk away from a level two friendship having been really sort of, you know, bordered in based on where and how we were friends and then feel so wounded you know, by a lack of connection. But that's just so, that's such wisdom to say that friendship had really never transcended that space. Um, I've got some friends right now in my mind that I really like and we're, we're bound in by borders. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself right now as you're talking, how can I expand those friendships? How can I make those sturdier and wider and broader outside of the way that we first met? Let me, um, let me just ask you this because I'm curious about you just as a person. Um, this is your work. So obviously this is going to be super important to you personally to what, what do you value like in your closest relationships in your best friendships? What, what kind of friend do you gravitate toward and what kind of, what kind of friend would you say you are? Mm, That's a great question. I am by temperament, somebody who really enjoys, um, like meaningful conversation. And by meaningful for me, I would be meaning, um, like I love talking ideas. I love talking feelings. I love talking personal growth. I love, so it's very abstract things often. It's, it's, uh, very ideas and, um, what's going on inside of people. So I tend to probably, um, spend a lot of time with people who also value that or enjoy it or who are curious in that space. And so my favorite ways of spending time with friends are, you know, is just where we're getting to know ourselves and getting to know each other and processing who we are and what we're becoming and what we want to do in the world. And so my friends will often, um, and I'm very intentional, like, so when my friends get together, they kind of joke now, like, what's our sharing question for tonight? You know, because I always am like somebody who I, I I don't like leaving a gathering and just feeling like we just kind of did chit chat or one person kind of took over or just kind of, we just kind of talked about random things. And that to me is like socializing. And so for me, I really value bringing that third piece, the vulnerability, which kind of means um, making sure that everybody has a, has the, t- the time to be seen in this space and gets to share what you want to share. And so I, um, I show up with a lot of desire in that third space, maybe because a lot of people don't pay attention to it. I've probably become very, um, <laughs> I, like very in- intentional about being in that space and making sure that every gathering that people have the opportunity at least to be in that space. So, I love that space. I love, um, I love creating memories together and doing fun, crazy things. And yeah, for me, it takes a high level of of trust, you know, to really show up and like totally let loose. I'm probably somebody where the area that I want to work on is 
is not needing to be seen a certain way and like letting myself just totally be. <laughs> so for my closest friends, um, that's something that I owe them and that's something I'm very aware of and that I pay attention to. So I look at my, you know, when we're talking about levels of friend to Missy, I mean, if you were to say, um, like, who are the friends that I feel the closest to? then those are the friends that I owe it to them. Like they're my practice ground. Like they're the people I owe it to them to show up and practice being as vulnerable and be seen as stupid or silly or like not having it all together. And like, that's my practice ground for doing that so that I can show up in the world and do that more too. And so I really feel like they're the place where I get to kind of practice trying to be the the better version of myself. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> what a good way to put it. Yes. And yes. And amen. <laughs> so let me, let me do this. Uh, we end every show with uh, a segment called the things we love and it's three questions for every guest. So mm. let me fire them at you and see what you got. Okay. <laughs> um, can you tell us what is the best advice and the worst advice you've ever received? Hmm. Best, well, the worst advice I've ever received that I've had to do a lot of work around repairing <laughs> is I grew up in a religious denomination or religious setting that told me I couldn't trust my feelings. So for me, that I've done, I've had to do a lot of um, awareness around that and a lot of work. So that was bad advice. <laughs> Wait, let me just put a pin in that because we're <laughs> going to have to do a whole nother podcast together on that alone. That's a really big deal. I've done so many, I mean, some of my biggest mistakes in life came because I didn't think I could trust myself. So um, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I was taught that and didn't have the ability to process it of what that meant and what people were actually afraid of. So to not trust myself was a really big, big deal. And I guess the opposite of that would be some of the best advice I've ever had was learn to hear your own voice, like understand the difference. So I now know very clearly I can hear the voice. I call it the, my, I have a voice of wisdom and I know I have an ego voice in there too. And I can very much tell the difference between those two voices. And so for me, learning how to like hear my own wisdom has been a game changer. Fabulous. Golly. I love that so much. Okay. How about this? Finish this sentence for us. You know, I really love you if I ever do blank for you. You know, I really love you if I ever, like, I'm going to say really acts of service for you. Like, that's not my, that's not my go-to. I'm very good at holding emotional space and affirmation and touch and, but like, I'm not, that's not my go-to. And so I'm really trying to be the person who, for my close friends, really, really shows up in the practical things for you. That's what I. So if you show up with like a King Ranch chicken casserole, that's legit. Yep. Yep. You would be, you but you better be impressed, Jen. <laughs> You would, you would require all the accolades that come with that. I get it. I'd be like, you have no idea, girl. <laughs> That's so great. Okay, here's the last one. This is a question that was first posed by an author that I love. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. And this is the question that she wrote about. What is saving your life right now? Oh, so many things. So many things. I feel like just love. I mean, it sounds so general, but to me, it's like I wake up every morning and I am very fortunate right now to be in a space where I wake up and turn to a man. And I just, am like, who, I am so lucky to wake up feeling loved and to go to bed feeling loved. And, and then my friends, I just, I, I and maybe it's just because I've studied love and relationships so much, but I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that feeling supported and loved is saving my life. No matter what happens for me to 
Yeah. And I've gone through some yuck in my life, some major crises and some major successes. And to feel loved in both settings, no matter what, is uh, saves my life. Bravo. Okay. Let me tell you something that's saving my life. I was looking on your website and I saw this picture of you in like skinny pants and red high heels. And those red high heels are saving my life. <laughs> those red high heels are the truth. Girl. You know, you know what? I wore those once to, uh, I think one of my girlfriends saw a picture of them uh, on me and they all decided that the next year when we got together, that everybody was going to go buy a pair of red high heels and we were going to wear them together. And seriously, like last year we were like in Phoenix and here we are going out. We looked like a bachelorette party. We just were all decked out in our red high heels and I have to send you a photo, but yeah. Oh it was so my much. word. Okay. Well, so they've <laughs> made an impression on more than just me is what you're saying. Gorgeous. They kind of create that fierceness in you. <laughs> totally. 100%. So as we wrap up here, tell all the listeners, just tell us what you're working on right now and how they can find you. Yeah. So um, ShastaNelson.com is kind of the hub where all the little pieces of me, whether it's speaking or books or all that kind of stuff can be found. And the my newest thing is TheFriendshipUniversity.com. And we are making classes available there a la carte. And so in GirlfriendCircles.com, uh, members there get a class every single month from a different expert and on a different piece of friendship. So we're, you know, one month we're talking about how to have healthy empathy in our lives and our relationships. And another month we're talking about what the five different ways to be vulnerable and another month of like how to have healthy expectations in our friendship. I just, I so appreciate you doing this podcast. I think that most, most of us think that there's nothing to learn about friendship or we think, or we feel shame if we think that we need to learn something. And the truth is very few of us have ever been taught anything. Very few of us have ever like, you know, we're pregnant and we go by like every book on how to have a baby. And, and ironically, our bodies actually do know how to do that one <laughs> automatically. Right. And yet we study it up the, up the yin yang and yet when it comes to our friendships we feel a tremendous amount of guilt for not knowing this so i i'm really excited to help um help kind of hold the space for learning that better super i totally love it so the friendshipuniversity.com there's guys there's friendship circles that you can tap into there's the friendimacy quiz that you can take um shasta has a bunch of stuff like just go to her website there are trips i mean you got some fun stuff going on i really like it it's very holistic and and women can pop in at whatever level they want in a group as an individual sort of at whatever level they are at. And so um, this is an amazing resource for all the women that are listening. And of course, it's women-based, but honestly, this is just as useful for men. Oh, my goodness. My, yeah, I'm actually researching that area now because I do have a theory that uh, our American men are some of the loneliest people on the planet. And yeah, we've done a huge disservice to them because you look at the same three requirements of relationship and we have not taught them how to be vulnerable. We have not encouraged it. We haven't told them it's okay from a very early age. I, I would love to see what you produce on that. Maybe your readers will do what mine do, and that is hold their husband's hostage while they read them passages out loud. So hopefully the women will serve their men with your amazing information. Shasta, thank you so much for your time today. I feel like just in 45 minutes, I have learned so much, so much food for thought. I've jotted down some notes while you were talking. Just, you're just an amazing resource for women. And I just, I love your work and I thank you for being here. Well, thank you. And congratulations for starting your podcast and for continuing to do your amazing work. It's so needed in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Great stuff, right? I was literally scribbling 
notes in my notebook while she was talking. There's just just so much depth there, so many things to unpack and to think about. I hope that you found something in there that was useful to where you're at, to where you're at with your friends, to where you'd like to be with your friends. Thank you so much to Shasta Nelson for sharing her time and enthusiasm with us today. You guys, if you want to head over to my website at jenhatmaker.com, not only will I have the transcript of this um, podcast in case you want to read through it, but I'll have all of Shasta's links, the links to her website, to her books, to her retreats, all the amazing resources that she has for you. I'll also go ahead and link you as I'm thinking about kind of what she was talking about, about gathering together with your best friends, even if it's only once a year, right? Even if it's it's not every single weekend, but that what how powerful it is to gather together and be in a living room together or in a hotel room somewhere together. It really doesn't matter. It just sort of tucked in somewhere together. I'm going to share over on my website my very favorite hot tea and my very favorite like regular girls priced bottle of wine. The things that I love to share, I love to open, I love to pour for my friends. Um, So whether you'd like to gather around tea or wine, I'm going to have two great suggestions for you over there. So join us for sure for the next episode in this series, For the Love of Girlfriends. So join us next time on For the Love. It's Jen signing off, you guys. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. We love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.